minds. These giants are giants within our own minds. You see, I want you to know this morning that Satan has some good-looking, handsome giants in his army. He has some very beautiful, seductive-looking giants in his army. He has some skillful lion giants that we sometimes will have to face down. And sometimes we'll have to deal with those giants that are even in our closets. Do you know that we even have giants that we have neatly packed and stuffed in our own little personal closets? Even though we have them in the closet, but they are huge giants that we will have to face one of these days. Yes, the giants are not only physical sometimes. They are mental and they are spiritual. The Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, that we do not merely wrestle against terrestrial giants, but we also have to deal with in this thing called life, we have to deal with those celestial giants, those forces, powerful forces that will move us off track according to the book of Ephesians. And some of these giants are very, very strong and powerful giants. And I want you to know that sometimes these giants will face them in our very own houses. Yes. Yes, we will face some of those very giants in our own houses from time to time. Yes, the Bible tells us here, uh, as we take a look at some of these giants there, even in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and uh, verse 14, the Bible says that Satan, you know, he can trick us sometimes. The Bible tells us in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians that Satan himself can transform into an angel of light. He's a tricky fellow that Satan he is. And Satan's giants can take on any form that we can imagine, if you will. You name the giant, you name, you name the struggle, the issue that you have to deal with from time to time, and you have just identified your own personal giant. Yes, yes. And sometimes even our children in school will have to deal with some bullies, some giant bullies that they have to face. And this thing is so pervasive now that, that they, they're, even, they're even forces out there that want to encourage our children to harm themselves because of bullying and things like that that we see on, on our social media and, and, and the Internet and things of that sort. Satan, even the young people have to deal with some huge challenges. Perhaps I've heard people say, and I kind of think that it may even be true, that sometimes our children, I believe that our children nowadays face even more challenges than perhaps some of us older people had to deal with as we uh, were growing up and coming through this thing called life. Oh, yes, the Bible mentions giants several times throughout Scripture. You'll take a look and you'll do a little reading. Uh, you might find out that uh, the Bible does mention giants. And as we can see that when the children came over into Canaan land and they looked over there and they saw some huge people, very tall people, and understanding that during that time, warfare wasn't quite like it is today. You see, today we can sit in a computer room and we can hit a button and a smart bomb will go all over and hit your enemies. But I want you to know that Satan also has bombs that he can push our button in a remote place and cause them. But Satan doesn't have smart bomb. He has dumb bombs. He'll drop a dumb bomb over here and cause us to get off track every now and then. But Satan has some powerful forces, and warfare back then wasn't quite like the warfare we experience now. Back then, they didn't have bombs and jet planes to drop 
uh, ammunition all across the place. You had to face your giant or your enemy, your adversary, face to face with a sword or a spear. And if you can imagine for a huge person, he can carry a spear that's much heavier, much longer. He has a longer range to go out there and get you. So I can understand some of the apprehension behind some of those brothers who went out and spied out that land and saw those huge people there that were very, very strong and powerful, as we described in the reading of our, of our scriptures, Brother Darren did earlier. But you can see that there are some, some strong forces, in it, and it takes some courage, church, it takes courage to face down the giant in your lives. Oh, yes, I know for me personally, I've had to face down and deal with some personal giants in my life. And it takes courage to do that because the battles back then, as I said before, were hand to hand. You had to stand in there and deal with your adversary. The Bible mentions giants, as I said before, in Genesis chapter 6 and Deuteronomy chapter 4, uh, Genesis, Genesis, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 1, if you will, and in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we hear, and most of you already know about the story of Goliath. Goliath, a giant. The Bible estimates that, uh, they estimate that, that Goliath was uh, nine, over nine feet tall. They think he's she said he was about nine feet, nine inches tall. Can you imagine that? Nine feet, nine inches tall. In the book of Deuteronomy, the chapter is three, we hear a mention of a king Og of Bashan. And the estimates, we don't, they don't, the Bible doesn't tell us just how tall King Og was, but we have a general idea on the dimensions that they describe his bed as being. Huge man, if you will. Some estimate that he's between 9 and 13 feet tall. Can you imagine that? 9 and 13 feet tall. Now, you know, I have, uh, you know, played ball in my uh, younger days, and, and I remember we had to play a team over in Georgia, a very, very, very powerful team that we had. To and, and the one thing that our scouting report said that they had a guy who was 7 feet tall. I'll never forget that's the first seven-footer that I ever run into. He was a tall guy. And I remember doing warm-ups. I would see the guy come through and little, little or no effort just be able to put the ball in the goal. And I'm sitting over there looking at this guy, and I'm like, my goodness, what in the world are we going to do with that fellow? What are we going to do with this guy? Because he was, he was pretty famous and well-recruited all over the country to go and play in a higher level of basketball. And I was like, man, that was, a and I'll never forget what the coach said. He pulled us over to the side and he said, listen, Tippins, he says, you're a pretty good jumper. I want you to be in front of this guy. Everywhere he goes in this court, I want you to be in front of him. And we had a guy who was big and strong, but not quite as big as this guy. He said, you get behind him. You stay in front of him. If you throw it low, you're already there to get it. If they throw it high, you jump up there and get it. You block this guy out and you don't give him a chance. We had a strategy. That's my point. When facing the giants in our lives, you and I must have a strategy on how to deal with that giant. Well, we dealt with that giant and we ended up being victorious in that particular game. But I'll never forget the first time I saw someone who was seven feet tall. It was an awesome thing to see. Not only that, here in the book of Numbers, chapter 13, the Bible mentions the sons of Anak. And they were described as giants. They were described as giants or huge people that we will run into from time to time. The sons of Anak is what the Bible says about this. 
And I know that you know as well as I do that there are some giants that we were facing. And you, have, any of you uh, like me have watched wrestling. You remember this big old guy that used to wrestle? Name was Andre the Giant. He was a big guy, seven feet, four inches tall. And to many of us, he would be a giant. But to me, he wouldn't be, in terms of his height, not that big of a giant to me. He was just a bigger guy because of the height that I am right now, he would be only uh, maybe uh, 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 eight or 12 inches taller than I am. So, so, so he would be huge to me, but a giant, so imagine what it would be to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus would have figured he was, and some of the people who uh, maybe even in this audience that we know uh, from time to time who are of short stature like Zacchaeus, it'd be politically correct. They're, uh, uh, they're vertically challenged. <laughs> Some people are vertically challenged. And to those who are vertically challenged, I'm a giant. I'm a giant. So I leave here this morning, I want you to leave here knowing that the word giant and the term giant is relative. It's relative to who you are and what you see. So it's important when we are God's army that we do not perceive ourselves as inferior and meek and mill people who can't do what God has prescribed and identified for us to do in our Christian journey. Oh, yes. I remember Andre the Giant. And I, I, and I want you to know that these giants that the Bible mentions back in those days, they're not kind of like these people that we see nowadays, those people who have that gigantic disease or, or, or ailment or whatever they call it there, where the pituitary glands just cause them to just continue to grow. Those people that we see nowadays who have that, uh, uh, who have that ailment, they're kind of frail. They can't really do too much. They have to have a cane to hold themselves up. So they're huge people nevertheless. But where I see it and where I'm looking at the Bible and when I read about Goliath and some of those other giants down there, these people did not have any physical problems with their bodies. They were huge and supersized because Goliath was a warrior. He was in the army and he knew how to deal with people. And so I'm led to believe that these people were huge and they did not have any physical problems. Oh, yes, church. Oh, yes, church. There are some abnormally tall people that we will run into in this thing called life. Not only that, I want you to know that there are some abnormally huge problems that we will face from time to time in our lives. You name the sin. You name the thing that easily trips you up from time to time. And then you have just, as I said before, identified your own personal giant. And if you say to me this morning that you don't have any giants in your life, then I want to submit to you that you're very young and you haven't lived very long. Because you keep living and I can guarantee you that you will face a giant or two in your lives. And yes, church, sometimes the giants that we face are even in the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Oh, yes. If you don't believe me, all you have to do is check with John over in John chapter 3 when he had to deal with a brother named Diotrephes. I don't know what in the world Diotrephes was doing, but Diotrephes was causing some havoc in God's church. And John said that you just hang on for a minute. When I get down there, I'm going to deal with this guy. So, yes, there are giants in every facet of our lives. Oh, yes. Not only that. The Bible tells us that an apostle himself, he said, yes, I deal with some issues. There in Romans chapter 7, Paul said that every time I want to do the right thing, evil is somewhere near me. Oh, yes, 
No matter who you are, how holy you may think you are, or how good you may think you are, I tell you here this morning that you will have giants and problems and issues that you will have to deal with. And that is a dilemma and an issue that each and every one of us will have to deal with. It's called life. Just keep living, young folks. If you haven't run into the bully there on the playground, keep living. He will or she will show up one of these days. Oh, yes, as I said before, the giant, the word giant, I want you to think about it as a relative term because it's all going to be predicated upon what you perceive your obstacles to be. Now, we're going to talk for just a minute about the grasshoppers. The grasshoppers. The Bible mentions grasshoppers, and we talk about grasshoppers, and the Bible even refers to us as grasshoppers. Take a look over in the book of uh, Isaiah. Don't, don't do it right now. If you just write this down or keep this from your own personal notes, you can look at it later on because of time's sake. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 22, the Bible talks about grasshoppers. And in Judges chapter 6 and 5, he talks about grasshoppers. And he describes us even there in the book of Judges as grasshoppers. Not only that, in Jeremiah chapter 46, around verse 23, uh, the Bible kind of gives me the indication that he is referring to us as grasshoppers. And he says that we as grasshoppers can take down the giants of this world. Oh, yes, church, God can use anything and anybody at any time he chooses to move through and get across his word and will unto us, even a grasshopper. Oh, yes, church, he can use whatever he wants whenever he wants to to get across his word. You think about it back over in the plagues that he uh, put down there on the, uh, on the Egyptians there in, the, in Exodus chapter 7. Uh, in Exodus chapter 7, we see that God used all sorts of things to get, a pro to get across his point. There, the first uh, plague that he used, he used, he turned water into blood. And all of the fish in the rivers died. The place stunk of rotten fish. God used blood and he used water and he changed it into blood. He used that to get across his will, but it didn't work for old Pharaoh. So he came in, God did, and he used frogs. Can you imagine frogs everywhere? Now my wife, she can't stand frogs and creepy things, but frogs everywhere you turn. You open up the cupboard, there are frogs hopping out, slimy old frog hopping all over the place. You get in the bed and you pull the covers over and frogs hopping all over you. Boy, I bet that would be so uncomfortable. Frogs, here are frogs, there are frogs, everywhere are hopping frogs. Frogs everywhere. And in the, not only that guy, the Bible says that he turned the dust into lice. I don't know about you, but I don't like lice. I don't care for those kinds of things. I remember watching a TV show. Some of you know the name of it. It comes on from time to time. People get out there in the woods with hardly nothing on, and, and they try to survive in the wilderness for a long period of time. I remember looking at one of those shows one time. A young lady got out there in the woods and trying to survive in the woods with nothing. Nothing but the skin she was born in, locked down the thing, just out there in the wilderness. And, and that morning, boy, that night, all you could hear all night as she was sitting there sleeping was that bugs, and she just slapping and swatting and trying to, uh, got up the next morning, looked at her, there was dot, she looked like a polka dot. Dot and bugs done bit all over the place. But I imagine that's what it would have been like over there in Egypt, flies and lice everywhere. Then he used a swarm of flies all over the place. He did. But yet and still, while God was doing all of this, 
just to show you that he's always on our side. Well, all this was happening to Egyptians, none of it was happening down in Goshen. God can protect us even while he is teaching our giants a personal lesson. Not only that, the death right after that, the fourth one, uh, was the death of the Egyptian cattle. All of their cows, cows died. All of their livestock died. And then there were boils on the, on the skins of men and the, and, and the animals. And then he turned around and he sent hail. He's in charge of the weather, too. I know it's raining outside, but God's in complete control over the weather. We're worrying about if some of our property is going to get damaged. Don't worry about that. God can take care of that. If your property gets destroyed, God has a way of replacing whatever you may lose in, uh, in a bad storm. But anyway, he used hail down there and the hell just just is wreaked havoc on the people and not only that god sent then he sent in his eighth plague he sent in the locusts or the grasshoppers and the grasshoppers came along and they just ate everything that the hell knocked down and then god used thick darkness over the land and his final plague that he put on those people down there is he sent the death angel to kill the firstborn of all the egyptians he killed man and beast Oh, yes, church, I stand here with full confidence to let you know that God can use anything and anybody to teach us a lesson and to get across his point. Yes, yes, church, yes, God can do whatever he decides to do in getting across his message. Not only that, he can even take a little thing as we may see as significant as a grasshopper to get his message across. I don't know about you, but I would rather be God's grasshopper. Yes, I would rather be God's grasshopper because, see, when you're on a team, and I'm thinking about sports, as we take a look at the grasshoppers versus the giants versus the grasshoppers, you know, I want to think about, I'm thinking about when I was uh, playing ball. And, and, you know, when you're on the team, see, see, Joshua and Caleb, some of the people that was on his team weren't really on his side. You see, they were sent out on a mission to go and spy out the land, come back and bring us a report and tell us what happened. Now, that's all you have to do. That's all they had to do was go out, spy out the land, and come back and give an honest report. The brothers didn't even give an honest report. They did not give us an honest report. So if you'll see right there in, the verse, in, in, in verse 32 of our, of our text, we see here that they gave an evil report. The Bible says it's an evil report, but not only that, it was not quite the truth. Not quite the truth. But I think about when people are on your team and they're on your team, you're going to work together. You know, grasshoppers work together. I don't know about you, but I come to find out that big people tend to eat a little bit more than average size people. And if you don't believe me, just ask Sister Tippins about that. Everybody in my family is big and we like to eat. You know, we like to eat in our house. We eat. No, that's how we say it in our We eat in our house. Oh, yes. You can't just go get by with cooking one chicken in our house. You got to cook the flock of chickens. If you don't believe me, just look at that 300-pound boys of mine, and you will know that I'm telling you the truth. But grasshoppers can mess a giant up because he eats. I don't know how, I don't know what. The amount, I don't know the amount of food that the giants in Canaan land ate, but I can tell you what, if you send a whole bunch of grasshoppers there to eat everything, woo-wee, it's going to mess them up. It's going to mess them up. Everything's eating up. Your cows uh, gonna, can't eat, and then you're going to starve to death. And I don't know about you, but my, my sons, uh, my son, and I used to do this too. I mean, I ain't going to sit in. It's not just about them. It's me too. I eat too. <laughs> I eat too. And, uh, but I tell my wife, I said, but uh, honey, I only eat one time a day. 
And she said, huh? Yeah, one time. I start eating when I get up and I quit when I go to bed. That's just one time. It's just all day. <laughs> but I don't know how much these giants would eat, but the bottom line is if you send a, you send a plague of, 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 of grasshoppers or locusts out there and they eat everything up, then it won't take long for a giant to starve to death. I don't know if that was the strategy or not, but I'm just using what I know to be a real fact when it comes to dealing with things. But you have to have, when you're on the team, if you're on the team of grasshoppers, you have to have a strategic plan to deal with the giants that you face. Oh, yes. How many of you have a strategic plan on how to deal with your personal giant? The adversary that you face every day in your life. Do you have a strategic plan? I remember playing on the basketball team. And every now and then you would have a player who would throw the ball wrongly. And then you end up having to run out there to get the ball. And sometimes when I was playing ball, they would throw that ball wrongly, and I would have to go out there and I would have to dive, get the ball, and throw it back in to my people and then hit the ground. Oh, yes, yeah, sometimes when you're fighting the adversary, you have to be on the same team. And I'm telling you, some of the giants that we face, you're going to get skin up. You're going to get bruised every now and then when you deal with your personal giants. I can't speak for you, but I'm speaking for me. When I deal with some of the giants that I've had to deal with, I've left a little bruised and scathed. So don't be afraid of the bruises and the bumps and the bruises sometimes. But sometimes it just takes teamwork and getting together. You see, I knew that my teammate didn't intend for the pass to go errantly, but I was still on the team. I didn't quit. See, I have to tell you this morning, some people that looks like they're on your team, they're really not on your team. Oh, that's just a fact. I got to tell it like it is. Sometimes people aren't on your team. But guess what? If we work together and if we are God's grasshoppers, we are on his team, then we will work together. See, if I need something from some of you brothers or sisters, I'll come and say, hey, listen, <laughs> On this side of the ball, this, things are looking rough. I need some help. You need to come and help me, as I will, and I should be willing to do the same for you. But be God's grasshopper. But I want you to understand, church, that here in verse number 33, as we see right there in verse number 33 of our text, we see here that number one in verse number 33, 32, we have an evil report, a fictitious report. See, in that brother's mind, he saw those giants as an undefeatable force. But not only that, but in verse number 33, we see here where it says, it says, And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which came of the giants. And we were, listen to this now, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. So we have no idea. Not only, do, not only does Satan come in and trick us with what we actually see, but he'll trick us in our messages sometimes. You see, we have to get the message right when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we have to get the message right when it comes to describing and identifying the giants. And now, see, the giants are so sneaky. Satan is so sneaky. He'll have us believing that our giant, the thing that we think is our problem, it really isn't our problem. It's another problem. Satan can trick us. He's a tricky little rascal. But guess what, church? If we're on God's team and if we're fighting in God's army, he's going to help us in identifying the forces that we have. You see, church, God has a way of flipping things around. He really does. He can take what looks like it's going to be crushed in a moment and flip it around and make it the victor. You see, God, see, with God, I want you to fully understand, with God, we are the giant force that Satan has to deal with. Yes, 
See, God can flip the script sometimes. God's grasshoppers or locusts can be as a powerful force to deal with when it comes to uh, working in his army and being on God's team. Yes, yes, our giants will seem like he can, they can consume us in one fell swoop, but guess what? I'd much rather be a grasshopper in God's army. Yes, church, but in order to be a grasshopper in God's army, we have to have courage. We have to be brave. We have to be brave and be able to stand up against those giants that we face sometimes. And God will help us deliver. We can't be chicken. You see those people that Joshua and Caleb did, they came back and they got, they chickened out. That's what we used to say when I was growing up. They chickened out. They were a little afraid. See, fear will immobilize us. Fear will paralyze us and keep us from moving in and on through to obtain the promises that God has in store for us. So fear not, people. We have to be brave and stand four square, shoulder to shoulder, against the giants that we face. But I want you to know, church, as I said in the book of Ephesians, we're really not fighting against a terrestrial giant. We're really fighting against celestial powerful forces of the dark ages is what we're dealing with. So these giants that we face, most of them for real are really in our own minds. They are the things that we fabricate or, or fantasize in our own mind to be huge and undefeatable un, 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 uh, foes, if you will. The book of Revelations chapter 21 and verse number 8, the Bible says, but the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters and liars shall have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. And this is the second day, death. So I want you to know, church, be not afraid. Be brave because God does not like people and he doesn't really, he would prefer us to be brave. And he doesn't want you to be afraid and too afraid to deal with the giants that you face. Fear not, church. Fear not, for we are more than able to overcome them. I know that it is hard to step out on faith sometimes. But I want you to know this morning that you should fear not. Because we are more than able, and you are more than able to overcome it. And I know, church, this morning that it is difficult to, to, to when we face the, the forces of traditionalism. That can be a giant for some of us. But I stand here this morning, and I, and I want you to know that that traditionalism giant that we sometimes deal with, it can appear to be 12 feet tall. But fear not, for we are more than able to overcome it. And I know, church, that it is difficult, young folks, to deal with the bullies you deal with on social media and sometimes there in our schoolyard. It may seem like that that force is so powerful that you can't overcome it, but I stand here with full confidence to let you know that you should fear them not, for you are well able to overcome it. And I want you to know that I've realized, I fully realize that nowadays it's difficult for young people and young men and young women to be Christian young men and women in today's society. I know that that's a giant that appears to be 15 feet tall for some of you, but I want you to know this morning that you should fear them not, for you are well able to overcome it. I know that your temper may be a huge giant for you to overcome from time to time. Your temper may appear to be 
20 feet tall and you can't seem to get control over it. But I want you to know this morning, and I stand here with no doubts or reservations in my mind whatsoever, that you are well able to overcome it. So fear it not. You see, church, I want to say in my conclusion that all it takes is for us to fully realize that every giant has its stone. <laughs> Every giant has his stone. Every giant has his weak spot. If you don't believe me, all you got to do is ask Goliath if you could. All you got to do is put five smooth stones in your pocket. You have to arm yourself with something to do battle with this giant. You put five smooth stones in your pocket. But guess what, church? All you're going to need is one. Oh, God can do whatever he wants with us. All you need is one and a good old slingshot. And then, I used to do that growing up. Take that slingshot, boom, I hit some stuff with that. But guess what? You have to know where your enemy's weak spot is. Know where your enemy's weak spot is and then hit him right in the weak spot. You hit him in the weak spot, he'll come tumbling down because you and I are God's grasshoppers and we are on his, we are in his army and we are on his team. And guess what? God has promised us salvation and he has promised us the victory. Never forget that God has promised. He knows the end game. He already knows if you're going to put five smooth stones in there and get your slingshot ready. He already knows it. So you can't fool him. Guess what? We have already won the victory. All we have to do is finish the game. Don't give up on the ball. If the ball looks like it's going outside, don't give up on it. Die for it anyway and pitch it back to your partner. Pitch it back to your partner and win one for the Lord. Oh, yes, church. If you want victory in this battle against your giants, I want you to know that the only way you and I will experience victory against our giants is to be in Jesus. Because there is victory in Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. Oh, yes, and he loved me. I know it. And I want you to know that he loves you too. And he wants you to experience the victory. So the message is yours this morning, and I want you to know that God has your back. He has your back. And the giant that you think that you can't defeat, I want you to know that he's already been defeated. If you're subject to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and if you want victory in Jesus Christ, we're going to sing an invitation song in just a minute, and I want you to respond to the gospel. You've heard the truth. I need you to believe it. I need you to repent of your sin and confess that Jesus is the Son of God and that there is victory in Jesus. And I promise you, the bullies that you deal with in school, young folks, you face it down. You face that enemy down. I'm not telling you something that I heard about. I'm telling you something that I've done. Big old me <laughs> have had some giants that are far bigger than I am that I had to do. Still dealing with giants. Oh, it don't quit. It don't quit when you become a Christian. The giants will become even stronger. But guess what? When we have God on our side, we will experience the victory. If you're subject to the gospel of Jesus Christ, I need you to respond to it as Kyle comes and sings our invitation song.